Good morning. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR Radio, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. I'm Dr. Patty, and this is my show that is meant to help people find some healing and some advice and help their self, themselves and their relationships and their families just do a little bit better in this chaotic and difficult world. I know that not everybody can afford therapy and not everybody can get to therapy. Um, so I, what I try to do on these these um, shows is to put the basic lessons that I teach in therapy all the time. I've been in private practice for almost 34 years. Um, before that, I worked for Children's Protective Services doing sexual abuse investigation. And I uh, bring a lot of experience from working with a ton of people and a ton of couples over the years. So I know the things that tend to work. They've been tried over and over again. And today I want to give you one of those things. I often hear in my office when I work with couples that the fun has gone out of their relationship. And they say it in different ways. Sometimes they say the spark is gone or they say the intimacy is gone or it's just not fun anymore. I really like it when couples come in with that kind of statement instead of waiting until uh, one of them has had an affair or someone has a foot out the door or they've separated or they're getting divorced and they, they're trying to save it, kind of like closing the barn doors after the horse, the horse has left. So what I want you to do is this is for you to take a good look at your relationship. And if you don't have a relationship, uh, this might really help you make the next one that you do get into be a little healthier and a little more fun. That would be great. So uh, in the first part of the show, we're going to look at just some of the ways that people feel that the fun and the spark has gone out of their relationship. And then I'm going to give you some examples, and I'm going to give you some really cool coping tools that I give to couples so that you can try to find the spark and the fun again. One of the things that I hear couples complain about a lot is that whole feeling of nothing's really wrong or bad, but we take each other for granted, and it's just kind of boring, and it's flat, and we used to have fun a long time ago, but now we just don't. And the thing that they feel they're lacking is often time and attention with their spouse or their partner. Uh, the time and attention that is spent is usually on the thing that I call gotta do's, not wanna do's. Gotta do's are just what it means. You gotta mow the lawn, you gotta pay the bills, do the groceries, clean out the refrigerator, get the kids to soccer, all the things in life that take your time and attention. And many people in relationships start to feel that they are constantly doing gotta do's and almost never doing something that they would classify as a wanna do. So, and, and if right now you're thinking the want to do is fall on the couch at the end of the day with a beer in your hand and watch the news, that might feel like a want to do, but sometimes that's part of the demise of the relationship. So time and attention is a really important thing. Um, I'll tell you something I hear quite often and have for many years in my office, and that is what I call the golf hunting or exercise widow. Now, it isn't always the man who's out there golfing, hunting, 
compulsively exercising and leaving her at home. Every, you know, with every problem I've ever seen in couples, it is not necessarily gender specific. But I tell you, a vast majority of the couples I see, um, when he has a passion, like golfing three times a week, um, or he is a marathon runner and the family's going to go do something fun, like they're going to go bowling. And he says, well, I'll meet you there. I'm going to run there because it's a good 10 miles to get to the bowling alley and I can get my run in. And then he wants to run back. And uh, I hear that. And then I hear, of course, the hunting one. Then in the fall, um, time, energy, resources, money is spent a lot on the hunting endeavors and the family's just kind of left. So those can be things that can take the fun out of a relationship and, and might need to be talked about. But I'm also looking at the much more subtle things that happen in a relationship. Think about when you first met your partner. Did you do things that made you excited and were fun and go do things and see new things and explore stuff and share your loves and interests with each other? And was it more fun? It's probably why you fell in love with your partner because there was something, there was a spark there that was more than just sexual and we're going to talk about the sexual part, too. But the fun has to do with shared interests and shared time. And it tends to go out of relationships as the relationships get complicated. Um, when you think of why the fun might have gone out of your relationship and you think of the gotta-dos that get in the way, they're almost always work, kids, household. Um, many of you are the sandwich generation where you have elderly parents and you're sandwiched between them and young kids. These are all the really important gotta-dos that take your time and attention. And there has to be energy after that to try and do something fun. Like, I have a whole lot of friends and a whole lot of clients that I know they're shaking their heads right now going, yep, that's our household. <laughs> and, yeah, Patty, we're going to go out and ride the bikes. We're going to go on the canoe. We're going to go have fun. Yeah, right. There's no time. There's no energy. So the thing I want people to consider is when you don't parcel out some energy for the want-to-dos and you only do the got-to-dos in your life, that's when the spark begins to go out of your relationship. So time and attention, having fun, doing something light, doing something that takes your attention away from the got-to-dos are what we're talking about. Now, these things actually affect your sex life in your relationship. And I see this happen all the time. I, as a therapist, I will ask a couple about their sex life because it's a real barometer for me, a real, it's like taking the temperature of the relationship. When someone told, tells me, um, oh, we haven't had sex in 10 years, or yeah, I can't remember the last time, or eh, why would we do that? It's not even any fun anymore. And these are often people that will tell me they had a really good sex life in the beginning of their relationship, but it just fizzled away when it got wrapped up with kids and work and exhaustion. And they stopped bringing energy to it. So stopping and taking a look at what your sex life is now and what it was when you first got together with your partner is a real barometer into the relationship. So then I like to ask couples, when did that start to fall apart? When did it fade when did it become more of a chore, more of a gotta-do than a wanna-do? And they can usually put their finger on it. Um, it's often when the kids came around. 
uh, when my mother-in-law moved into the house, um, when I got the new job and all of a sudden I'm spending 60 hours a week at work, uh, when somebody got ill and never felt the same again after that. They can put their finger on when their sex life started to go downhill. And they often are at a loss for what to do about it or how to put some energy back into that. So along with your sex life, we look at the intimacy. And intimacy has to do with sexuality, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with sex. This is um, holding hands, hugging and kissing when you arrive home, when you leave, cuddling on the couch, um, laying in bed talking, you know, you say pillow talk, and it isn't necessarily the talk that's just a, that's after sex. It's the intimate connecting. I'm really listening to you. There's no other distractions that just you and me laying here in the dark talking. Um, that's intimacy. And intimate set, good sex begins with really good intimacy. So when time and attention falls away and the intimacy falls away and the sexuality begins to go bad the relationship starts to disintegrate. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about exactly why this happens. And by the end of the show, I'm going to give you some really cool coping skills. So come meet us back here right after the break. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, Dr. Patricia Bay. And you're here at KCNR Radio, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM. And we are live today, too. If you would like to call in, if you've got an opinion or you've got a thought about this whole idea of has your relationship lost its fun, feel free to call in. And you don't have to be on the air if you don't want to. You can talk to my producer, Jared, and tell him your question or your comment. Or you can get on the air and you don't even have to say your name. It would be great to have someone interact with this. So the phone number here is area code 530-605-4567, Okay, so we're talking about has your relationship lost its fun? And one of the things I, I want to bring to your attention as we really dissect what this problem is first is that behavior speaks extremely loudly. So behavior is loud is the thing I want you to get. It doesn't matter what your intentions are or that you wish you had more fun or that you know you should be putting some more time and attention into your relationship or even that, wow, when we do have sex, it's pretty good. Why don't we do that more often? Um, your intentions are lovely, but they do not speak nearly as loudly as your behavior. Okay? So you might say, we're going to get better at this. But unless you actually do get better at it, you actually put some time, attention, and energy into it, um, your behavior is what's going to really rule the day. So the thing I see people do is that they, their routines fall into a path of least resistance. And this might be your own resistance, and it might be your partner's resistance, and it might be both of you. Let me give you an example. If you're working really hard and you've got kids and you feel like you're really stretched in your time and attention and you're kind of barely keeping your head above water and 
it's the end of the day and your intention was we're going to leave our phones at home and we're going to go out and ha- do a walk together or you can put your phone in your pocket turned off um, but we're going to go out and, and just be together for half an hour and take a walk and what now at the end of the day looks a lot more fun is to flop on the couch open up a beer a glass of wine and watch the news and argue with each other about news stuff and get all anxious and angry and political and that is what we've been doing every night and that feels like the path of least resistance now if i sat you down and asked you is that the most fun you could have you'd probably go no it's not what else would you do that's fun and you'd probably look at me and go i don't know what you used to do oh god that was a long time ago those are the things i hear in my office all the time people know they want to do more but they are exhausted in fact i see more people that i would say their diagnosis is chronic exhaustion than it is anything else. When you are exhausted, everything hurts more in your body. It's hard to get up off the couch. It's hard to drag the bicycle out of the garage and go ride it. It's it's hard. And so sometimes what has to be addressed first, the behavior that needs to be addressed first, is the chronic exhaustion that we run on. And you've got to see how many irons you have in the fire. Are, are your kids in 20 million activities? Are you working too many hours at work are you bringing work home and you're trying to work at work work at home get the kids to soccer do the tons and tons of things it creates exhaustion so it's something for you to look at the other thing for the path of least resistance that i see is that many people are bored they're just bored with their lives they're sick and tired of doing all the gotta do's and they can't think of what would be fun and so the exhaustion and the expense and getting dressed and going back out or putting on your walking shoes and going for a walk all just seems overwhelming. And I, in my office, I watch people's shoulders kind of slump and they go, well, you know, we should, we talk about it, but we don't. And so that's one of the big problems is because we're so exhausted and we're so overwhelmed that it's easier to sit on the couch and play on your phone and peruse social media that takes little to no effort than to think of something and actually get up and do it. So if I'm describing you and you're doing a whole lot of head nodding here, um, you're, you're getting the idea that if your relationship has lost its fun, it might be because you've lost your energy and you're exhausted. Now, you know, we can dissect this. Is it the way people eat these days? It's the toxins in the environment. Is it everybody tends to drink a little too much wine or a little too much beer uh, or whatever you drink? Um, or now they're smoking dope and that's making them lose their motivation. We can dissect it. Everybody would have their own list of symptoms that they do that I would say contribute to their exhaustion. But it is a really, really good place for you to look. Am I exhausted and why? Am I bored? And what am I bored about? So this path of least resistance is like everyone in the family or the couple waiting for someone else to come up with a good idea and then come up with the energy, the time, and the money to do the good idea. So how do we get by this? What do we do that gets by the exhaustion and 
by the resistance and gets you to start changing how you bring yourself to the relationship and how the relationship creates more fun. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment of the show. But for right now, I really want you to take some time to look at do you do any outside activities that, you know, make you think of what you're doing, not what you should be doing at home, your got to do's. And my definition of a stress reliever is something that takes your time and attention so that you can't think of someone else or something else. You can't think of what else um, you could or should or would like to be doing. So a stress reliever is attention seeking and it says pay attention to me and have fun and and be involved in this so i'll give you an example of something we did as a family just because i thought it would be fun i got the whole family to go together to this really cool thing that they have in northern california where it's a mystery room and you go around the room and you're trying to solve the mystery and there's clues everywhere, and the whole family has to work together. It's kind of a team-building thing for business, but the whole family had to work together to try and solve the clues to solve the mystery. And we had a blast. And while you were into it and looking for clues and trying to find the next thing, you couldn't think about the refrigerator that needed to be cleaned out or that you should be home paying the bills. So it was cool, and it was fun, and we had a really good time. We were laughing and talking the whole time. But it was kind of a think-outside-the-box thing. What could we do that wouldn't be the same old family stuff we always did? And we got the whole family there. We were talking like 10 people were there doing this room, and it was really neat. So thinking outside the box on fun things to do that distract you and let you do some want-to-dos. And I'm a firm believer that we've got to get our got-to-dos done. And if there's so many got-to-dos that you can't get them done, then you're overloading yourself. But once you get your got to do's done and you put your chores aside and you say, let's go have some fun, you have to be focused on that. And that is lost in relationships now, especially relationships that have been around for a long time. And I want you not to mistake losing fun with losing commitment. I'm, I'm not talking about the relationships that are in trouble because of affairs and Um, you've fallen out of love with the person or you've made a mistake and you're in the wrong relationship. I'm talking about relationships that have lasted a long time. You're fully committed to each other. You would say you love each other. You'd be devastated if something happened to your partner. It's just lost its luster and it's lost its fun. So you're kind of trudging through life and wishing it were better but can't seem to get by that spot. So I'm talking about the decent, good relationships that have lost their fun and their spark. So the very first thing that we're talking about here is evaluating it first. Has your relationship lost its fun? And then stopping to look at where it's lost its fun. Time and attention, doing fun activities or taking little vacations. Uh, What's your sex life like? And what's your intimacy like? And Is your partner your best friend? On my free podcast on the Anchor app, or you can go to Spotify or iTunes, there's a podcast on trust. And do you trust your partner is what the issue is. Is your partner your best friend? And when you learn how to trust and what trust is about, and you can on that app for free on that podcast, you'll stop to say, Is the intimacy I have with my partner that of something I would have with my very best friend? 
And if it's not, that might be a place for you to be doing some work to get the intimacy back. But so just reiterating just a little bit here. What is your relationship fun? Have you lost the spark? Where have you lost the spark and why? Those are the first considerations that you've got to make in order to begin to begin to create change. So identify the areas. Sit down with your partner if you can or listen to this together if you can. Um, it'll be on my podcast later or you can go to the archives on KCNR, radio, KCNR1460.com and pull up the archives and you can listen to this. And sit down with your partner and say, where have we lost the fun in our relationship? And then why have we lost that fun? That's a huge step in us going to the next section of the show, which is what are some things you can do to try and find that spark and find that fun again? It's important. So we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to have some good ideas. (laughs) Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty. And today we are talking about Has Your Relationship Lost Its Fun? You're listening to the beautiful music of Randy McGinnis, Native American flutist. And he just has incredibly gorgeous music. You could go to randymcginnis.com and look at all six of his CDs. You can pull them up on YouTube, Spotify, Pandora. Just type in Randy McGinnis, Native American flute. He's played all over the world. He's award-winning Native American flutist, and he does a fantastic job. And we deeply appreciate him allowing us to use his music on our show. So we're talking about has your relationship lost its fun? And the first part of the show, we dealt with where has it lost its fun, and then why has it lost its fun? And if you haven't clearly answered that, go back and listen to part one and part two again. But now I want to talk to you a little bit about what I've seen with some couples and some things we have done to address those issues. So the typical couple I'm talking about here is a couple who's pretty committed to each other. They've recognized their relationship is going downhill. And a really smart couple comes in for therapy before they want a divorce. Um, Then it's like you can actually affect some change. And what's cool is over the 34 years I've been doing private practice, I have seen a bunch of couples, just tons of them, that have found the love again, found the spark, renewed their commitment to each other, and aren't just living in a relationship that's tolerable or comfortable. They are actually smiling. It's really cool. It's so neat when I see a couple and they've done some really cool work and I go, you know, you guys don't need to be here anymore. Just go do what you've learned how to do. And it's really neat for them to graduate. It's, it's fun. So what, some of the things, let me give you a typical couple. Um, a couple comes in and they're saying, you know, we've been talking about separating. We're just perfunctory with each other and we're bored. And, you know, I've, we don't have sex anymore and we're sleeping in separate bedrooms. And, you know, I used to wear pretty nightgowns to bed and now I don't care if I wear my flannel pajamas and, he doesn't notice anyway, and I'm, you know, both of them are saying they feel a little bit ignored, taken for granted. Um, they've probably stopped taking care of themselves. Uh, things like worrying about whether you took a shower or not, or, 
you know, whether you got dressed up to go out to dinner or something. And I don't mean dressed up like, you know, formal stuff. I mean, taking a little bit of effort. It's, it's so funny because I hear so many women say, yeah, I just don't bother wearing makeup anymore. Nobody notices anyway. And it's not that that's a problem because a lot of people don't want to wear makeup. That's not the issue. It's that they used to care and they used to try. And now they don't feel it's necessary and they don't care. They've lost that spark in themselves and some of that spark is out of the relationship. So uh, those are the things I'm hearing from a couple sitting in a chair. Now, when we go deeper into what's wrong with their sex life, I often hear sexual dysfunction things like erectile dysfunction, um, inability to have an orgasm for women, uh, the intimacy is gone, they don't particularly feel comfortable or safe with each other in terms of just doing anything sexually. It's become more and more difficult. Uh, they lose the ability to get sex started, and partly because they're in separate bedrooms or they're on other sides of the bed. They go to bed at different times. Uh, by the end of the day, they're way too exhausted, and they don't want to take the time or the energy to create some sexual passion. So it's easier not to. So those are things I'm hearing. And then what I'll talk to them about is how did you used to be? And most of these people will say, well, we used to have a good sex life, or when we fell in love, it was pretty good. And, and occasionally I do hear people say, eh, we've always struggled with this area. We've never been very good at that. And that's another set of skills that you need to learn. In fact, people have been asking me to do a show on sexuality issue, and I will do that at some point soon. But when you're looking at how can we make this different, this one couple that I'm thinking of specifically he works a lot. She feels uh, burdened by all the home stuff and all the gotta-dos. And he feels like he's doing a great job because he's the provider for the family, even though he's working tons of hours and most days of the week, uh, owning his own business and just really working hard. But they've really drifted apart because they're both taking care of all the gotta-dos. So they are actively trying to save this relationship. And they decided that one day a week, he's going to close down his business a little bit early, and he's going to come home earlier so he's not so exhausted, and that, that's going to be their date night. So once a week, they've decided date night. Now, here's where I see that fall apart. Couples will say, we, we used to kind of try and go out to dinner once a week, or we'd have a date night once a week, and that fell apart when we had kids, and that's just has gone by the wayside. So I said, well, how's date night going to get pulled off? And they both kind of looked at me like, uh, I don't know. Where would you go? What would be fun? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's the kind of energy that gets around date night. So I said, okay, let's get concrete. And this is the first skill I want to teach you. When you are addressing a problem area, get concrete. So here's what they decided to do. One week is his week to plan date night. And he can plan whatever he wants. And it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. It's He plans and he just tells her what to wear. Dress casual, bring a sweater, uh, wear your walking shoes, whatever. He plans a date night. Then the next week, it's her turn to plan it. I had them take out a calendar and write their names on every week of whose week it was to plan that date night. And that way, you had to stop and think, and you didn't have to get the other one's permission. You could surprise them with something, and if you're broke, you can do something that's almost free. I mean, date night could be getting a coffee and walking across the footbridge and, 
you know, just watching the stars and looking at the river or, you know, doing something that's romantic and time away. Date night should include your phones being turned off and not just on vibrate in your pocket, turned off. You can pull it out and turn it on and dial 911 if you need to. But take the electronic distraction out of the equation and plan a date night and alternate planning. And it gets kind of fun. You can get a little competition going. Who thought of the best thing? Who was the most romantic? Who did the most for the least amount of money? I don't know. Put, put something in there. So they have a concrete plan to do their date night. The other thing that I like to have couples do is to take turns planning a weekend away or a getaway. Now, if you can only afford to do that once every three months or once a year or I don't know, do what you can afford. But I like to see people do that at least once every three months. And again, you take turns. When it's your turn to plan the weekend getaway, you know what the budget is. If, if you're going to go camping and do it you know, as cheaply as you can, great. If you're going to go to some nice bed and breakfast, fine. Do what you can do according to your financial budget. You can agree on that. And it's your turn to plan it. And you get the time nailed down on the calendar, and you get the budget nailed down, and then you plan it. And all you do is tell your partner what to pack. There's a time in my practice I used to have people pack for each other. That did not go well. Women pack well for men, but men don't pack well for women. They have no idea what we want in terms of not those underwear. Ooh. That bra does not go with that blouse. Okay, so you understand why that could be difficult. So date night, taking turns, planning a weekend getaway. And then here's the one that will teach you a lot. This is what I call the 10-second kiss. The 10-second kiss hello and the 10-second kiss goodbye. And I will tell you, 10 seconds is a very long time. But if you've been either avoiding the kiss hello or goodbye, or you've been doing the perfunctory thing like that, oh, there they are, um, or kissing your wife like she's your grandmother, that doesn't get you anywhere. When you have to do a 10-second kiss hello or goodbye, it's kind of funny. I mean, you might giggle through half of it. But you will also see how much you have not been kissing your spouse hello or goodbye. Now, if you're really good, you could bring something good to the 10-second kiss of goodbye. But in my office over 34 years, I have heard from many people that they do not think their partner is a good kisser. And many people don't know what makes a good kiss. They have no idea how to define that. So when I do this show on sexuality, I'm going to teach you guys what a good kiss is like. But if This is your way to find out. When you kiss your partner hello or goodbye for 10 seconds, you're going to find out if it was pleasant or not. You're going to find out if you like it or not. You're going to find out if your kissing builds a little bit of that passion, sexual energy, or is your kissing annoying, slobbery, gross, like your St. Bernard slobbering all over you. So the 10-second kiss hello and goodbye is a really powerful way to learn something about your kissing, your sexuality, your intimacy, your relationship, and how much time and attention you spend parting from each other and coming back together. It's more important than you realize. So if you want a homework assignment for the next, uh, for the next two weeks, do the 10-second kiss hello and do the 10-second kiss goodbye and see if you find out something about your relationship. So... 
the other thing I'd like people to do to gain some time together and some fun and maybe a little bit of intimacy is plan something different that they can do together every single day. Like if you can spend a half an hour a day with your partner, either coffee in the morning or sitting out on the deck with a glass of wine at night or after dinner, putting on your walking shoes and going for a walk, turning your phones off, holding hands, um, going for a bike ride, maybe taking a yoga class together. Something that you go together like friends and experience it and have a good time. Those are ways to build intimacy and to begin to have the space to talk about how your behavior has been working, whether your relationship is losing its fun or losing what you need to do to make it last a lifetime. So we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to finish up and sum up this topic and really hope you're looking at what you need to do. Okay, we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patty, and we're talking about, has your relationship lost its fun? Is it boring? Is it perfunctory? Have you lost your luster? Do you feel like, I love my spouse or my partner, but? There's this phenomenon I call in my office. It's I call it the I love you, but phenomenon. And... People will do that to people that they want to keep loving and do love, but something's wrong. So fill in the answer. I love you, but. So if your relationship has lost its fun, then it's probably boring. It's probably full of got to do's. You're probably exhausted. And some these are some of the things that have really gone by the wayside. So as you're doing the things I'm talking about, I want you to stop and look at have we lost our fun and where are the places that we've lost it? And then I want you to look at how your behavior speaks very loudly, more so than what you want to do. Your behavior says, where do I put my time and attention? And it will also tell you why you've lost time and attention and and fun for those areas that you defined. So a couple things I really want to make sure I cover in this show is, do you tell your partner that you love them? Or when they say, I love you, do you say me too? Um, If you had to write a love letter of all the reasons you love your partner, could you do it? In fact, I'll tell you, that is one of the greatest Valentine's Day presents that you can give a partner is, why do I love you? And write it out. They will cherish it absolutely forever. Uh, Do you still go do things together? Or have you developed very separate interests? Do you ever go on dates? And I don't mean just, where do you want to go to dinner? Um you know, what do you want to do tonight? Somebody planning a date and planning where you want to go and what you want to do. Um, so are you doing that? Are you, do you pay your partner compliments? Uh, and I mean sincere compliments, just not like, oh, you look great today. More like, wow, I love how you did your hair or um, that shirt looks really nice on you or something to that effect. Um, do you... Have, have you created an environment where sexuality can continue in your relationship? Are you sleeping in separate bedrooms? Are you going to bed at the same time? 
Um, do you care what you wear to bed? Do you care? Would you rather sleep than have sex? That's a big one that I hear in my office too. We're so exhausted, it is much easier to just go asleep, go to sleep, and not do anything. Um, do you have? And, and then there's always. Do you, do you have any other problems? Like somebody's cheated, uh, you don't communicate anymore, you fight all the time. Um, those are different communication and conflict resolution issues. So. This, the type of couple I'm talking about usually has a fairly good relationship. They love each other. They, they often are good at logistics. Uh, where do the kids have to be? What time are you going to be home from work? Who's going to pick up some groceries on the way home? Uh, did you pay the utility bill? Those, are, those couples are often good at the logistical things. They're not real good at the emotional, intimate, connecting things. Um, so have you lost the sense that this relationship is where you want to be to get distracted from the got to do's of the world. And are you doing that? So let's look at another couple for just a moment. Um, I had a couple a number of years ago came in and they were really struggling because they wanted to be happy and they are, were both saying we're not. And I loved how it started. One of, I can't remember whether it was her or him that sat the other one down and said, look, I'm really unhappy, and I don't want to go anywhere. I'm committed to our family, and uh, there's so many things about our life that I love, but I'm unhappy. And the other one said, I am too. And then they said, well, let's do something about it. And what they realized is they sat around for a couple of months recognizing they were unhappy, and they had no idea what to do to get better. So they ended up coming into my office, and they just started out that way. They said, we're unhappy. And I, so we started dissecting it in just the ways that I'm giving you here on the show. Uh, how are you unhappy? In what arenas? And do you do this? And do you do that? And what has fallen away? And it became evident that they were missing the energy sexually with each other. They weren't connecting on trying to make it happen. They had also fallen into a pretty big performance anxiety problem. Um, there's a phenomenon that once somebody has a performance issue in sex, they often get more and more anxious that it's going to happen again. And then they start to avoid it, and they feel less than and stressed, and then it becomes easier to avoid it. So looking at that, your sexuality and, and going through that was very helpful to this couple because they had pulled away for some very specific performance issues with each other. So the really cool thing was they both realized they were committing to make, committed to making this relationship better, and they were committed to the honesty about talking with each other. So let's say you don't have a therapist you're sitting in front of, but you want to make your relationship happier, and you're tired of being blah. So the first thing you're going to do is sit down with your partner and say, we really need to listen to this show together. And you're going to pull it up in the archives at the station, kcnr1460.com, or you can go to my podcast, which is free. You sit down and listen to it. And you're going to say, where are we unhappy? Where do we do well? And where do we put like almost no energy into it? And a real big eye-opener is where did you used to put energy into it when you first got together? And what do you don't? What is it you don't do now? Then you're going to start defining what's in the way of doing those things. And take a really good hard look at what is making you exhausted. 
okay, and how you're avoiding communicating with your partner. Then you're going to start to brainstorm what are the things that would actually help. So when you say we need to have a date night, you have to get more specific than that. You have to plan it. You have to put it on the calendar. You have to say who's in charge of doing what part. You have to define a budget for it. If you say we need to go to therapy, okay, who's going to look at your insurance list and find out who's covered by your insurance? Who's going to talk to a friend or a doctor or a minister and say, who do you recommend? Um, Who's going to go forward with finding somebody and making an appointment? You have to actually go from just wanting to fix something to actually putting some energy into fixing it. So if your relationship has lost its fun, it's because you've allowed it to. And I, I don't mean to be mean by saying that, but we get into our routines and our routines become the path of least resistance. So to bring something else to the table and do something that's different than what you're used to, you've got to think outside the box and you've got to create a little bit of energy around that new direction. And you will find something that you begin to have fun. I'll give you an example of um, my own parents. They had fallen into a real perfunctory routine. And I remember that my mom came home. I was, gosh, probably like 12. My mom came home and said to my dad, we're going to try square dancing. And I remember my dad was like, oh, not doing that. No way. Oh, my gosh. He was like grumbling about it. Uh, And my dad tended to be kind of a stick in the mud. But uh, I remember my mom putting her foot down and saying, we're doing this. And, And he finally, I mean, he disgruntled himself out the door. Well, within about two weeks, they were having fun, and they were going square dancing, and my mom was designing outfits and making them so they matched, and they they were going square dancing a couple nights a week, and they were making friends, and they had a blast, and they created this whole new world for themselves. Now, when we take it further, they ended up opening one of the largest square dance centers in the country. It was called the Lanes of California down in Southern California. My mom was well known for designing all these beautiful square dance outfits, and my dad became a caller, and I mean, they just had a blast. It became their world, the world of square dancing. But in the very beginning, they were unhappy and they were very perfunctory in their life, full of gotta do's. And they, neither one of them would have left each other. They were very committed to their family. But it wasn't easy for my mom to get my dad out the door to go square dancing. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get you to do with your partner. What can you do to get you out the door to do other things that break this pattern of just the path of least resistance of sitting on the couch and watching the news and arguing about politics and looking at your phone and who's going to do the dishes and just all the gotta do's that we have in life. How do you get unexhausted? So when your relationship has lost your, it's fun and it's lost its luxury luster and it's boring. I want you to think of it as a call to consciousness. When you say, We're in trouble, not big trouble. We're in little trouble. And it's much easier to fix little trouble than big trouble. So you're going to sit down with your spouse. And what I've really found effective with the recordings of this show is that if you say, I'd really love for you to listen to this with me, and you sit down with a pad of paper and a pencil, and you pause it every once in a while, and you say, what are the ways that we've gotten boring? 
and what did we used to do that we liked? And you get a dialogue going. It can be extremely healing and free, and you can do it now, and you don't have to wait and get an appointment. And you can try to fix your relationship. And if it all falls apart and you can't talk to each other, then that's when you talk about how can we get into some therapy. So take these suggestions of taking a good hard look at your relationship and then where, not only where has it fallen apart, but why has it fallen apart. And come up with some ideas. And if you take any of the ones I've given you here in this show to try in your relationship, go for it. If you think of some other cool things, if something really works for you, I'd love to get an email from you. You can email me at drpatty, D-R-P-A-T-T-Y, at patriciabay.com. Um, and if you forget that email, you can go to my website, patriciabay.com, and click on Email Dr. Patty. And give me the ideas that you came up with and what worked for you and how you found the spark in your relationship again. So I hope this show has helped you take a good look at Has Your Relationship Lost Its Fun and given you some direction to make that work. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and this is Therapy in a Nutshell, and we're trying to heal the world one hour at a time.
The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta.